Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Aaron Ng and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and much, much more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their personal experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. One in seven people in Singapore have experienced a mental disorder such as bipolar disorder or alcohol abuse in their lifetime. The second Singapore Mental Health Study initiated in 2016, which was reported in December 2018, found that the top three mental health disorders here were major depressive disorder, alcohol abuse, and obsessive compulsive disorder. One in 16 people in Singapore have depression at some point in their lives. How does this impact their families? What kind of support do caregivers need? We do not have statistics on the impact of caring for mentally ill family members, but according to a 2017 study by the Institute of Mental Health and the National University of Singapore on carers of stroke victims, it was found that 40.2% of them have depressive symptoms. So I wonder, you know, for those who are supporting um, family members with mental health issues, what kind of symptoms will they have? So in this episode, we have Tan Yunyun on the show with us. Yunyun is a full-time youth pastor at a church, and she used to work as a medical technologist. She is the eldest daughter in the family, and we get to hear more about her journey as a caregiver. So welcome, Yunyun, to the Parent App Podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. So, Yunyun, uh, firstly, thank you for taking time to be with us and to share insights about your personal experience in your family. Perhaps you'll start off with a simple question, eh? What kind of person would qualify or is considered as a caregiver? Okay, um, about caregiver, right? So I don't think uh, I am I'm qualified to, to define who's a caregiver. I think I'm here just to share my personal journey as a caregiver. Uh, because what happened was uh, I have a younger sister. Uh, she's one year younger than me. Um, and back in 2005, she actually went through a, a depressive uh, uh, experience episode. Okay, um, and that lasted for several years. Yeah, so um, I would say that a caregiver is basically someone who uh, who is giving physical support, emotional support, uh, personal support, personal care, medical care uh, for for pe- for someone that they know about uh, who's going through a dif- uh, medical situation. Uh, in this case, a mental health is- uh, situation. Yeah. So, what do you have to do to support your sister as a caregiver? Okay, so um, you know, back in two thousand five, when she was uh, diagnosed with depression. Um, it was uh, uh, it was quite serious because uh, her depression presented with uh, uh, psychosis. So um, I know psychosis is a very big word, yeah. So when I heard about the word, I also had to uh, you know find out what it means. Um, and, and that's when I found out that uh, what happened was uh, she has depression, and psychosis just means that she has you know she was out of touch with reality. She would hallucinate, she would see things, and she actually you know attempted suicide. Yeah, so. So what happened was, so during that period of time, during that when, when she was in, uh, at her lowest point uh, in her life for about a few months, basically she needed 24-hour supervision. 
Yeah, so that was when she needed to be admitted to the hospital for 24-hour care and supervision and medical support. Yeah, so, so at that time, it was actually quite tiring for the whole family because I think firstly, we were, it's like a medical crisis, you know, and we didn't really understand the, the, the illness, the situation. At first, we thought that she was just too stressed and she would get over it. But, you know, the weeks dragged into months and, and you know, when, when there was an attempt on her life, then we realised that, okay, this is really something more serious. Yeah, so there was that 24-hour care we had to uh, look out for her, we had to provide for her. So there was that physical fatigue, uh, you know, when you have to look after someone uh, day in, day out. Yeah, and also a lot of worry and anxiety because there's so much unknown about the the illness. And, and when you talk to the doctors, the, you know, the doctors can't really give us, you know, uh, a proper explanation as to like how long this illness will take, you know, like when will she respond to the medication? Yeah, because when it comes to psychiatric medication, um, they can actually take quite long to respond to, to the effects or, or sometimes the doctors even have to, uh, so what happens to my sister is that they actually had to try out a few medication before they found the right one that she responded to, the, the right antidepressant. And so emotionally, it was uh, very, very difficult for us as well, uh, caring for her. And because seeing her going through that, that painful period, uh, it's very painful for us as well, you know, as, as a sister. Yeah. And yeah, of course, there was a lot of questions and doubts, you know, uh, is it because we're not doing the wrong thing? Uh, is it because I'm a bad sister? You know, that's why she has to go through depression. Yeah. So, so there was that, that physical fatigue and uh, that challenges uh, during that period of time. Yeah. That must have been a very trying time for you and your family. How did it affect your personal schedule, your you know, your work or your family life? So we really had to adjust our our schedule. So uh, at first I thought that we didn't want her to stay in a, uh in IMH because we didn't want her to stay in the hospital basically. Yeah. So uh, because of the stigma back then, yeah. So uh I actually tried we actually tried taking leave to to take care of her. Yeah, but there's only one person at home, right, with her and you can't be with her twenty four hours. Yeah, so uh, I took one week leave during that time and uh, you can't exhaust all your leave, right, for, uh, because it's, it's such a long period. So I realised that, you know, she's not getting well and that she needs a more intensive medical care. Uh, that's when we made the difficult decision to, to admit her into the hospital. So, so she was in and out, yeah. And usually the stay is it's not a short period of time. Uh, it's easily two weeks, sometimes even a month for her to stabilise, for her mood to stabilise and for the medication to take effect. Yeah, so uh, we had to adjust our schedule. So we realised that, hey, this is a long-term thing, you know. This is not just a one-day or a one-month process. Then we realised that, hey, we've got to uh, pace out ourselves. Uh, you know how, like, when you run a marathon versus a sprint? Okay, when you realise that it's a marathon, you have to, you know, make, make plan your time, plan your schedule so that there is someone taking care of, uh, of my sister when, when she, yeah, when needed. Lah. So that it's not, we are not full on all the time. Yeah, but, you know, we take turns to, to cover each other, to cover the gaps. And, and that, that needed some communication as well. Yeah, because my parents, they, they didn't fully understand what was going on with their depression. You know, they, they just thought that she just need to get over it. And, and I think it was very painful for them as well to see their daughter um, suffering and they couldn't help. Yeah. So there was also communication to within the family to and even the extended family. So our cousins actually uh, came in to help us as well. Yeah. So by just sharing that and um, everyone just pitching in, uh, it lightened the load and uh, so that we are we are all as a team lah. You know, trying to support uh, my sister to get to recover. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned about stigma. You know mm. about being in the hospital and then there's a mm. certain stigma attached to it. Uh, what can family members do to reduce the stigma of those uh, suffering from mental illness? What can family members do? I think it's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. I think firstly, the family members have to get past the stigma. Yeah. Like, 
you yourself, your the family members have to uh, accept what's going on, yeah, and not to judge the, the patient. So in this case, in my sister, not to judge my, my sister. Because I think at that time, when, when it first started, we, we, we felt that she wasn't trying hard enough, you know, or she was uh, she was just being weak, you know, or, or, or things like that. Yeah, but we realised that, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's more than that. It's deeper than, than trying harder. Yeah. Uh, it's really a medical issue and that she's re- that, that medication to help her and all that. Yeah, so we have to get past our own hurdle, our personal stigmas first. So... So I think there was a time I, I read up a lot on depression and on uh, the different types of depression, psychosis, what to expect, you know, and, and also hearing other people's journey, other people's story. Yeah. And, and I realized that when, when I hear more about that, oh, that really opened my eyes to, you know, um, a group of, uh, of people in our community who we have neglected, whom we have labeled them, you know, as uh, crazy or as mad, but but actually, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, uh, it's not just that. Yeah. So, so I think when um, I educated myself, you know, uh, and when as family members, we accepted that, um, I think that, you know, that, that helped us to reach out to my sister and let her know that, um, you know, there might be stigma from the society, from the community, you know, but uh, her family is behind her. We are supporting her. Yeah, so I think that that helped us to face with the stigma. But of course, when it comes to the larger community, so I think I had to be careful on who I share with because some people, uh, especially acquaintances, you know, they might not be close to you. And it's very easy for them to to judge, you know, your situation or to put labels on your situation, yeah. So so I've learned to, uh, you know, uh, to be discerning uh, in the information that I disclose or, you know, to who to share with, yeah. And when, when it's appropriate, right, to, to just... Even share in a case, in a sense, advocate like, for mental health, advocate for depression, letting people know that, uh, you know, depression is is really more common than we think. Yeah, a, a lot of times, you know, we don't share openly about it, and that there's nothing to be ashamed of because it's just like a medical condition, like, you know, like a heart attack, you know, or yeah, or or when when a, when injury happens to you, it's not your fault, <laughs> you know, that the injury happens to you or you had a heart attack. Yeah, so to I guess to to spread awareness about that from my own perspective, and I think that helped with the stigma, yeah. So, you know, you, you seem very confident about sharing about your experience at the moment. Uh, but I can imagine while it was happening, you know, while you were going through uh, this uh, episode with your sister, it must have been a very uh, painful time. It must be also a, a, a time where you probably felt very confused. You're not mm-hmm. sure what to do next. Uh, yeah. In a sense, the future wasn't very certain. But hearing you know you sharing about uh, how you went all out to read more about uh, the books, hearing the stories, it also shows me that your family uh, persevered and, and had a lot of love for your sister. That uh, that even the love overcame all the stigma that uh, you know that people may have. But what are some other challenges that uh, caregiver may face? You know, I heard you say fatigue, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A physical fatigue. Have you were you at a position where you felt like you know I I'm almost want to give up or Oh, I felt like I'm so tired. Yeah, were there those moments? Yeah, there were. You are spot on. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember when I first realized that this was really serious, you know, and and you know, my sis needed medication, and when I decided to to take leave, right, that one week leave to help her, uh, I felt like my world was like crashing down. Yeah, I felt like the carpet under my feet was like being pulled under under my feet, like, Yeah, and and. I felt really lost and uh, really heartbroken to see her 
change uh, personality-wise, yeah. And interestingly, I didn't have a good relationship with my sister back then. Actually, we quarrel most of the time, yeah, even though we were so close in age. Um, but I guess it was the, the love, the desire to really want to see her get well, yeah. And, uh, and even though at times when, you know, we face obstacles or closed doors or like, you know, like this medicine didn't work, but I realised that, you know, uh, you know she, she can't, we can't just stop like that because if you give up on her, right, like that's the end of the story for her. Yeah, so so I think that I think the love for her really helped to persevere, keep us through, lah. Okay, keep us persevering through, and so asking people for help, asking around people who might uh, who have more experience, who have expertise, or asking the doctors a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, because we don't ask enough question, and uh, and I think that affected on how we can support uh, the patient. Yeah. So what kept you going on though? What kept you persevering? Yeah, so I- yeah. I guess it's a thought that if I were to give up, like no one will fight for my sister already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If our family were to give up on her, right, then no one would, would fight for her. She would, she would then truly be alone. And mm-hmm. I guess the, the thought of seeing her suffering like this, a sub-quality life, you know, because it, it affected her job. Uh, eventually, her, her employer terminated mm-hmm. her contract, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and she, also her, her boyfriend left her also during that period of time. So mm. I, I guess, you know, when, you know, if, if I were to give up on her, like no one else would, would be there for her. So I think that really kept me on. Uh, and then I realized that I needed to find support for myself mm. so that I can support her. Mm. Yeah. You know how in, when you take your airplane, right? If there, there's an air high pressure emergency, the, the air mask will come down. They always tell you, right, if you're traveling with your children, you know, put the air mask on yourself first before you put it on for your children. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think it's the same for caregiver as well. Sometimes during moments of crisis, we you know we neglect our needs or we neglect our pain. You know, uh, just to uh, focus on that crisis. Yeah. But sometimes when the emergency pass, we forget that hey, we are still carrying that pain. We are still carrying mm-hmm. that wound, and we forget to seek healing, seek restoration for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when it becomes very negative, very unhealthy, and uh, very dangerous because uh, you are then in danger of of depleting your energy. Yeah, depleting your power bank. Yeah. And then, mm. and when you are down, then there, there wouldn't be anyone else to to care for, uh, your loved one. You know. So I think those thoughts and uh, and of course I had I had a community supporting me as well. My friends, you know, um, um, the leaders in my faith community, you know, they, they supported me. They helped me to to realize that what are my priorities. Yeah, yes, this is urgent. This is crisis. But hey, it's going to be for the long haul. It's going to be. The, it might be for a whole lifetime. Uh, you know, some some patients do suffer from depression for for their uh, entire lifetime, and they need to be on medication. I think I was very fortunate because my sister actually recovered uh, two years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she had a relapse uh, halfway through, and but but now and but now she's much better at uh, uh, catching her her depression episodes and uh, she will seek treatment for herself early on even before the slide comes in and it becomes very serious yeah so so I think it was that motivation uh, to see her well lah, that helped me to take care of myself first I guess yeah mm. having healthy healthy self-care lah, yeah so now as a caregiver right or you having experience being a caregiver to your sister what are some things that you will advise people or to encourage people uh, especially when they are burning out or, you know, they are like losing grip, you know, of, of, of the situation. What, what will you tell them? Yeah, I think if uh, when they find themselves burning out uh, or losing grip of the situation, uh, I think the first thing to know is you are not alone. Yeah, you are not alone. Uh, even if you feel alone, you are really not alone. Uh, because I believe there might be friends around you 
uh, or even if your friends around you or family members around you are not supportive, right? I think uh, we have, uh, I think their healthcare is, yeah, healthcare, their helplines out there that we can call, we can mm. seek help from, you know, um, I think there's a Caregivers Alliance in Singapore um, that focus on providing care for the caregiver. Yeah, and I believe, I think the Singapore government do a great job in uh, help, uh, trying to provide uh, support in this area as well. Yeah, so I think, or, or letting the your your loved one's doc, doctor know that you're really struggling and they can make referral for counselling or for uh, more support in this area. Yeah, so I think just knowing that you're not alone and you don't have to shoulder this on your own and when help comes along your way, right, uh, I think it can really lift up uh, that discouragement and lift up their weariness. Yeah, and then you can you can then uh, realign yourself, you know, and, and rethink about your schedule, uh, your priorities in life, uh, and how to do this for the long haul. Yeah, so that, yeah, our loved ones don't get left behind and, and you're also being kept for as well. Yeah. Hmm. Having been a, a caregiver, do you think your empathy for others have increased as well? Or maybe, you know, your patience towards your family members has grown a lot more because of this experience? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so... I think I shared that my relationship with my sister was actually very bad <laughs> uh, before her depression. So, but now, okay, I would say there's a lot of love. <laughs> okay, yeah, there is, there is a lot of love and uh, we are much closer to each other. Uh, not just me and her, but also the, the whole family, my parents and our younger sister as well, you know. So all of us, we have grown much closer to one another and uh, now we, we take time to, you know, wherever it's our birthdays, we'll take time to celebrate one another and to really treasure like, this family relationship that we have and from time to time we will I will have tea or you know, tea session coffee session with my sisters uh, because both of them are married now so I don't see them every day And uh, but just uh, taking time to check in with one another and to hear one another uh, and to support one another yeah so I think that's very precious to me and I think this, this is something that money cannot buy yeah that, that love in a family yeah so especially now during COVID uh, there's so much uncertainty right yeah, but just knowing that you have a family that that's there to that'll be there to support you, you know, and uh, who will listen with you, I think that really encourages me uh, at the end of a long day. Yeah. Yeah, it's what we say in the focus, you know, the family is a preventive uh, factor uh, for for mental health to actually to build even to amongst uh, young children or even amongst our siblings or even for our parents or maybe senior. Uh, as we end our conversation today. Uh, what would you like to say to caregivers to encourage them or maybe to our audience in general so they know how to encourage their friends who are going through uh, you know, such uh, challenges themselves? Okay, I, I guess for anyone who's going through um, a, you know, a caregiving situation or if you know of someone who's a caregiver, you know, know that you're, uh, you're not alone in your problems. Yeah, you're not alone in your challenges. In yeah, Even though you might not be the, be the person going through the situation, right? The pain is just as real. Yeah, and it's okay to seek help for your pain, to seek healing for your pain. Yeah, there's a saying, right? It takes a whole village to raise a child. Yeah, I think it's the same way for caregiving. I think it takes a whole village to, to care for someone as well. Yeah, so um, don't give up. Press on. Yeah. Thank you, Yuyin. You have come to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. You're welcome. I, I hope uh, this helps everyone who's listening. Yeah. Thank you. If you or your family members are facing the strain of caring for your loved ones and you would like someone to help process your emotions, our team of counsellors are here for you. You can make an appointment at www.family.org.sg slash counselling. Options for either on-site or online sessions are available. If you have any other questions as a parent that we can help you with, you can also email us at parent at 
That's P-A-R-E-N-T-E-D at family.org.sg. You can also subscribe to our monthly news e-newsletter and to be updated on our Family Life content. Do remember to follow the Parent Ad Podcast and help us to share this episode with your friends. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Parent Ad Podcast. Until the next episode, have a great week with your family.